Welcome to the Abbey Talks podcast series. This year, for the first time, the Abbey Theatre and Dublin Dance Festival are presenting a special commission from the internationally renowned Liz Roach Company. We were fortunate to have choreographer Liz Roach in the studio on a pre-rehearsal morning to talk about the piece Bastard Amber that runs at the Abbey Theatre May 25th to May 27th. Welcome Liz Roach to the Abbey Talks podcast studio. Thank you, thank you for having me. Um, my first question is um, Bastard Amber. Um, I already like the sound of it. Uh, can you tell me about the piece? Um, well, it's a piece, it's a, it's a dance piece for uh, eight dancers, four musicians. Um, it's a piece that is taking its inspiration from uh, Yeats's Sailing to Byzantium and other influences from his plays for dancers and other influences from the work of the kind of later work of Patrick Scott. Um, and the piece itself is kind of really more than anything, it's taking uh, this sense of the experimental nature of what Yeats was interested in doing around when he was um, looking at his plays for dancers um, and how what relationship that brought him into with his audience, how he wanted that new relationship to be. Um, and I was very struck by that. And uh, he was looking for a more intimate way of performing. And uh, and he was also looking to bring the dancer in and that kind of physicality. And I was very curious as to why he was interested in dance and why he was interested in the physicality of the dancer, especially within the founding of the National Theatre. So I was very struck by that. Um, and so we wanted to explore um, those relationships that he was talking about in the plays for dancers, um, about trying to be closer to the audience, about the sense of heightened performative energy from the performers, um, and a sense of more essential work, not nothing too decorative, more essential, in 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 the form of what took place, um, and then that kind of brought me also. In, in terms of the design for the show, it brought me uh, in the direction of Patrick Scott and that same search for, uh, that same kind of search into abstraction for form and simplicity and and essence in his work. Um, so that's, that's where that connection came from. And I suppose the inspiration of Sailing to Byzantium is really just the sense of image in the poem. Um, and what it conjures up and what it evokes. And again, it's this journey of, of the poet moving into, moving from trying to understand life into wondering what's going to happen afterwards. And he can't really understand what's going to happen after death. So he's kind of moves into the imagination. Um, so I kind of, I, I got lost in that world because I think that when people walk into a theatre, there is that sense of not really knowing what's going to happen. So we move into the imagination together and we wonder together. In this case, we wonder together what happens when we leave the body or we, we wonder together um, where, we, where we will be in history, what, what we will become. Uh, so there's, there's those, those, influence, there's those influences in the piece. Um, and I suppose in dance always, for me, it's trying to embody 
that in trying to sort that out and rattle through it through the body um, and present how the body deals with that in a kind of a non-linear way and in, and uh, in a non-narrative way we're not uh, we're using some of the stage directions from the plays and we're using some of the lines from the poems and some of Yeats's notes um, but nothing is spoken so it's really just, you know, how we feed that information through the body and through some written text and, how, and through the music and the light and the set and the costume and, and all. So when, so Liz, when you have this material and this inspiration, how, how does that translate into the rehearsal room? Because, as you say, it, it's nonverbal. Like, do you have a... Do you have a choreographed blueprint, you know, and you have your dancers around you and say, you know, this is what I want to achieve. But how, how, how does it get to be physical? Um, well, sometimes it can be a very, a, a very abstract process in terms of I could come with um, one, the first, the first stage direction in um, the Dreaming of the Bones is the, is the stage is anywhere place in a room close to the wall. So one day I, you know, one day in rehearsal, I just came in with that sentence, and so people kind of go away and think about it, and then they begin to physicalize what that means to them, and then their response brings a response from me, and then we start to build and build and build. Um, and I would sort of feed different lines in. So it's really, sometimes uh, it's really what the dancers bring in that time. And uh, they bring it to life. Uh, and then there's other times when I would go in very specifically, um, say, in the poem, uh, The Young in One Another's Arms. So I would just be like, the task is, how can we be in one another's arms? And then we just start to generate material and we talk about how restrictive that is if it's just the arms and, you know, and it, and it becomes that or, for example, as in the gold mosaic of a wall, like how can we make, how can we make a picture out of, or how can we make an image out of many tiny images of us? And, you know, we just, and I might say, oh, I have an idea about, a f you know, a face here and a hand there. Could we build it from hands in this? And then people just bring and bring and bring ideas. Like, the process of making dance is slow. It's really slow. So you, you, you expect to build it up in layer after layer after layer and viewing. And, you know, we would have to, um, yeah, it takes a long time. Do you, do you stand on the sidelines and watch as an observer, as a director, as a choreographer, or are you immersed in the dance itself? Like, how do you, mm. how do you get that objectivity? I do a bit of both. Um, I, I often stay out of it at the beginning and see what the dancers are, 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 are bringing and if they're responding to something or not. Um, and if it's conjuring up what I thought it would conjure up. Um, but then sometimes it's very important that I get in there. So there might be a couple of really muddy days when I'm on the inside uh, trying to bring the feeling into something. And then sometimes by being there and being beside somebody, you can talk all you like, but sometimes just being there beside them and doing, doing it from your physicality, passing from your physicality to theirs, even if you're not completely there, 
you know, with dancers, they just understand that so clearly, you know. So, yeah, we can be talking forever, but then when you get in there um, and say, I actually can't articulate this, but if you just come at me with your full strength here and I respond in this way, this is the thing, for example. So you, so when this piece began as that source of inspiration, do you have an endpoint? You know, because obviously you have to kind of edit as you go and you're trying to think, this isn't what I wanted. You know, but I'm sure it has to go down avenues that you don't want it to go and something else comes from that. But do you have that end product in your mind's eye? In in terms of form, not so much. I have I have basic energies that I'd like to bring in. You know, I would like... Um, some pieces I've made have been extremely dancey and extremely, um, extremely choreographed. Other pieces I've made have been much more, um, you know, the dancers are engaged in almost an improvisation, in like a live improvisation in performance. It's, it's pretty fixed, but there is a lot of scope for it to be different. And they're really different processes. So I suppose going in, I have to decide which process it's going to be. Um, and with this piece, um, I, I had a sense of it being an ensemble work. And this is the, one of the biggest groups of people that I've ever worked with before. Um, so I was just conscious of it. Um, one rule I had in my head was that this had to be, uh, these ideas had to be fed through the body, like uh, fed through many bodies at once and understood at once. So this sense of a group work. Um, so that, that was just one of my, that was one of my rules. Um, another rule for this piece was how to, uh, how to move, uh, the body into a sense of line and form and structure and clarity and then how could we soften that? That was just another abstract rule. <laughs> um, it's, it's things like that and I think this piece also, pieces take a life of their own, you know, and there's, we're at that scary point in rehearsals now where you're kind of going, oh this is going a particular way and did I really intend for it to go, do I pull it back or do I follow it? But there's a journey, there's a journey within the poem. Um, so that's always a little bit more, um, because it's slightly more narrative. That's almost, for me, that's a scarier process. A more, a, a completely abstract process is easier for me. But something that actually needs to complete a journey, which I think this piece needs to, um, is, is always a tough one. That, that the piece was going to have to journey, it was going to have to begin somewhere go somewhere and end and and so it could it couldn't just be a moment in time that had no beginning and no ending so do you feel restricted by that narrative that you've yes placed <laughs> where are you in the uh, rehearsal process now though say as of uh, this morning's uh, rehearsal that's about to begin well we're in the home stretch really but it's more the midway home stretch we've we've two weeks before we start uh teching um and then we have, so we've got about two and a half weeks. Um, and we've just come off a very intense couple of days where we were looking at more of the technical aspects of how things were going to work in the theatre. So that's a real eye-opener. It's like everything you thought was going to work gets really challenged. Um, so, but it's a good time. Those kind of very turbulent times are good because then you, you reorder yourself and 
you kind of calm down and get back to it. You're, you're where you should be, I suppose. Um, you talked about the ensemble. Um, you have um, an array of international dancers with you on this piece. Can you tell me about the selection process for that? Because if you're saying that the piece, you want the piece to kind of, to, to, to use the actors as kind of conduits for the work, do you have a very precise selection process for dancers, like, you know? Yeah, I think um, with this piece there was varying, I wanted a very, um, I wanted a very experienced cast um, and I wanted there to be a range of experience so that there would be, you know, I, I, I wanted there to be kind of a mix in ages um, and a very kind of grounded performance energy. Um, so I, I, some of the piece was some of some of the dancers that I work with very regularly, um, are are in the piece, and uh, then there are. Um, then I also auditioned last last year, and I found two, two people that I'd never worked with before, but they brought a very new energy. So I was kind of conscious of working with people that I knew very well um, and then also bringing people in to bring something new and to challenge that a little bit. Um, and also I was, and then there was, uh, there's there's one dancer uh, who uh, is, a, she's a choreographer and dancer, but I worked for her as a dancer um, a good while ago now, maybe 15 years ago. So there was a sense of, you know, there's a there's a sense of different relationships uh, so it's not how can I say it it's not um I feel very integrated with this group I know them all very differently some of them not as well but I know them all very differently and from different positions so I know what it's like to be the dancer for some people then I know um with uh, with Elaine and then so this is very new for me for her to be dancing in a work of mine um, and then I've worked like with Henry um, you know the piece that I worked with on Henry before was a very different process so it's it's really interesting now to be here with him again in this process so it's kind of and then the uh, with you know like with Catherine and even Alex I've worked uh, over, over a number of pieces with them, uh, and then with with Mark and Sarah, then they're they're new. Uh, but actually, it took it took a little while. But I think that we're finding, we're really finding something, and the new things that people are bringing, and the things that people are bringing from ten years ago, and I, I it 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 feels nice. It feels really nice. You, you've been at this uh, dancing uh, malarkey for quite some time now. Was it always in your blood? Do you have, uh, is there a family background in it or or were you unique uh, in that you knew that this was the road you were going to take? Um, no, my sister and myself went to ballet when we were little and, um, you know, we did that all the time when we were younger. We were kind of mad about it. Um, but there wasn't anything in the family as such um, my parents would listen to a lot of, I remember a lot of classical music growing up and um, a lot of ballet music. So um, 
I think we were lost in that a bit. Um, and then my sister uh, got very seriously into ballet and she trained in, in London in a ballet school in London. So she's been dancing for... Um, she was all, she, over that time she was very serious and maybe me not so much. And then, yeah, when I was about 15, um, I had a bit of a moment. I thought I have to do something with my life because it's not really working at school. Um, and dance just seemed like the place to go. And then I went to London as well. But I, I went to more contemporary dance. I went into contemporary dance school. But Jenny since then, like her professional career was as a contemporary dancer. And we, we started the company together. So it's in that way, we've we've always been side by side throughout this. She's She's now in Australia, but she kind of went into, she did a PhD in dance. So she's gone into the more academic side of things. So. Um, yeah, it's we've always been side by side in that. So it's not it, it didn't it didn't come from a big family sense of movement, but I guess it was just me and her all the time. So how did you make that leap, say, from being in school and as you said at fifteen maybe not being immersed in it? How did you what were the steps that you needed to take to to get to the next stage of of training? You know, what were the what opportunities were open to you? Um well, I think for me it was a bit easier because Jenny had done it. So at that point she was in London. I think she was in her final year. So I there wasn't there wasn't a big um, resistance from my parents because they had been through it with her. Um, but I did. I stayed and I did a, a foundation course in the College of Dance in Dublin. So that it was a much softer way in. I didn't. Uh, so I did that until I was. Yet yeah, just 17 and then at 17 then I went to London and I went to London Contemporary Dance School. So um, so I kind of knew, through Jenny I knew the road, even though I didn't go down the ballet road, but I knew that there was a contemporary alternative. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I finished that course when I was 19 and then just, then just began working. And you, you opened um, a company with your sister? Um, oh, was that Rex Levitates? Or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, and then how did Rex Levitates become the Liz Roach Company? Oh, it was just, so Rex Levitates was the beginning of that. And then around, around, Jenny began studying. You know, she did an MA uh, in around 2001, 2002. Um, and then I think she really started to see that sort of academic possibility. And around about, I'm really bad with years. Around 2006, 2007, uh, she had be, she was kind of in the process of doing a PhD, and it was it was just a time where it was becoming obvious that she was uh, going to go that direction. Uh, and I suppose the the changing of the name of the company was just uh, a moment where you know uh, I began talking to um, Catherine Noons. Uh, who was the original uh, artistic director of the dance festival. And when Catherine moved on from the festival, we stayed in touch and we spoke a lot. And we, we began to talk about um, maybe to start thinking about a five or a 10 year plan for the company. Um, and in that time, through that process, that was the first time um, that somebody kind of said, well, maybe you could just think past your nose <laughs> for five seconds. Um, so. 
I think that shift in thinking uh, into where the company could be in five years or ten years, then it just felt like it was a good time to maybe um, change the name and sort of have, have another beginning in that way. I'm sure it affords you an autonomy. Um, I mean, you've worked all over the world, but I suppose you have a lot more control, I would suspect, you know, having your own company and dictating your own work. Yeah, like I, I think um, it's funny, when I was younger, um, I was commissioned to make work from other companies, which was a brilliant opportunity. Um, but when you're in that situation, you start to think, oh, yeah, no, if I could be in charge of all aspects of this. And then when you're sort of in charge, you think, God, wouldn't it be great if somebody took that responsibility? <laughs> so I, I think it's sort of, yes, of course, like having having that final say is great. Um, but it's it's challenging as well. So uh, I know uh, maybe it's always hard to find that balance. <laughs> yeah, there's always a responsibility. Um, I read somewhere and, and um, you quoted it in, in a video that I saw. Um, you mentioned um, what can be said in dance that can't be said in words. Uh, I think it's a beautiful phrase. But I wanted to ask you, um, how do you read dance? How How is one meant to interpret dance? I presume it's all... It's an experience. It's how you feel it. Is, mm. there, is there a a rule to, to, to how to interpret it? I think lots of people describe watching contemporary dance as if they like it. I think a lot of people describe kind of an, an inner, you know, a bit of turmoil at the beginning and then eventually saying to themselves, just relax and be present in it. And then they usually say, oh, when I did that, I really liked it. I really enjoyed the experience. Um, but I know for some people that's maddening. You know, they're like, I don't get it. I don't know why he's saying, I don't know why he's moving his arm in front of her. What's it got to do with anything? So, but I think for me, when I'm watching dance um, and really enjoying it or being challenged by it, I think I'm not only am I caught by the image and the energy and that sense of orchestra in the perform, like like almost the beauty of an orchestra working, working together. I get, I you know, there's that sense for me in dance, and not just in a big ballet, even in quite a small ensemble. You get that sense of, of just the, the mechanisms of those, of of those rhythms between people and people knowing their part and sort of the execution of it. I find deeply satisfying. Um, I can sit forever in in those moments. And I think that um, I, I think that there are times when you can you can let dance wash over you, um, and then I think that there are times that if you see something that really speaks to you, often people say, you know, I had no idea what that was about, and then you kind of go, well, you know, okay, that's okay, and then and then they say, but when you did that to him, you know, I I kind of thought I was going to have a panic attack or I thought I was going to um, cry or I thought I was going to, I, I felt sick or something. And, um, but that's considered, that those reactions are considered bad as if everything's meant to be pleasing. So then if you kind of say to them, well, I'm quite happy that you felt panicky when you're watching that because that's what we were trying to do. So you feel like saying to people, well, own the feeling. Like if you, if you're sitting there going, there's many times when I've watched dance where something that's going on between people on stage is so intimate and so raw, like I'd, I'd have to pull back from it. But I don't feel that the dance has failed because of that. 
I just I just feel like, oh, this is a really strong communicator. So I think it's just maybe how people can frame it. Um, and if you're somebody who doesn't, if you're somebody, um, I remember listening to this talk that Jerome Bell gave about dance, and um, he was saying also, you know, for the for the many pieces that you see that you hate, there'll be that one piece that really changes your life and it's worth it. And that's always stuck with me. Like at, my, at, at, at this stage in my life, I can sit through a piece that I love or hate or don't care about, but I'm glad to have the experience because I like being in the presence of dance. So I'm, I'm kind of an easy, I'm, like, I'm an easy audience member. Um, when I was younger, I would get annoyed at things or I would want it to be a certain, I don't feel like that now. I'm just like, I, I, I appreciate the effort. I'm so light on everything. <laughs> um, but I, but I, I, when, when Jerome Bell said that, that really struck with me. It's like, because it's true, there's, there's been many pieces that haven't touched me, but there's been one or two that have just been extraordinary. Um, and I, I carry them with me everywhere. Sometimes it's it's a reaction that you can't put into words. It it, it registers in in some other way. Liz, I wanted to ask you um, about your work as a choreographer for the Abbey Stage for theatre productions like Drumbelly and Alison Funderland and Government Inspector. That work is entirely different. But how do you work with actors um, in in that way? Um, I think it's really dictated in a nice way by the director. Often. Um, like on those three pieces, for example, um, they would have been very different approaches. Um, so often it's about, you know, talking to the director about what they're interested in. I remember on, government, on the government inspector, Jimmy was really clear that he wanted a very particular practice every morning and, you know, more than anything, he just wanted to, instead of there being too much like there wouldn't be dance as such in the performance, but there would be this kind of physicality underneath it. So it was more my job to to bring people into this place of being aware physica of their physicality. Um, and then, so when we would organise things on stage, they would bring that physicality to it. So that was one process. Um, and then with Alice uh, in Funderland, um, it, was, it, was, it was much more, you know, because of the musical nature of it, you know, it was much more about choreographing movement and movement that made sense to the text. And um, and Wayne's brilliant on that, you know, because he's a million ideas. So it's just, you just pick up whatever, you know, you pick up as many as you can and try and um, give it back to them, back to him and in the way that you know, that that will work and that will work for the performers. Um, and then with Drumbelly, it was very small and, and very particular and very prescribed. Sean was just like, this is what I want. Can you do this? This is a reference. So it's 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 always very different. And you kind of hope that you, um, like in, in that situation, you're really just, I always feel as the choreographer in those kind of productions, you're just really there to try and make things better. You know, uh, of course, you're bringing your artistic, uh, you're you're bringing your creativity to something, but it, it's also it, it's lovely to kind of feel like a contributor in that way, um, as opposed to you know, the tortured maker, <laughs> you know, that sort of, um, yeah. 
Um, what can we look forward to in the dance festival? It, there's two weeks of it here uh, at the Abbey. Uh, any kind of hints uh, or any recommendations of what we should see apart from Bastard Amber? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Don't <laughs> see anything. Um, well, I'm going to go and see the Meg Stewart piece. I haven't seen one of her pieces since I think the last one I saw was 1990 in Vienna and I remember loving that. Um, so I I can't believe it's been that long since I've seen her work. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and that, I think that op- that opens the festival. Um, and uh, I think Philip Connaughton, uh, who dances for, for me a lot, is going to do a piece, kind of a, a an uncovering of, you know, kind of a dance talk about dance. So I'm really looking forward to that because I think... Um, I think a dance talk about dance. Yeah, like yeah, I'm it. probably not describing it that well, <laughs> no, no. but it was it's like a sense of sort of, you know, demystifying dance for people in a dance way in a theatrical setting and it just sounds like a lovely idea and I know that Philip would be great. So, um yeah, and there's there's like there's loads in the festival. Um I think Maria Nilsson Waller's um I I'll try and get along to see her piece. Um, and then I need to go through everything that's at project because there's a huge amount of of kind of middle-sized works coming in. Um, so I need to go through my diary and work out how to um, get to all of them over this time. Well, I should I should let you um, set up the diary, but also uh, let you get back to rehearsals. Thank you very much, Liz Roach. Not at all. Thank you. Thank you.